how beautiful heaven must be. How beautiful heaven must be. So many things that bring us pain down here in this life will not ever enter or be felt, thought of, or even remembered up there. The Apostle John in Revelation chapters 21 and 22 give a, gives us several little snapshot statements, several little glimpses regarding some of the things that will, and praise God, will not be in heaven. For example, in Revelation chapter 21 verses 3 and 4, it says God himself will be with them. Revelation 21, the latter part of verse 3 and verse 4. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. Verses 22 and verse 23, same chapter. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Chapter 21 and verse 27. There shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. What beautiful snapshots of some of the things that will and won't be in heaven. Those things that we look forward to because of some of the things we have to face on this earth. Revelation 22 and verse 3 says, there shall be no more curse. And verse 5 goes on to echo some sentiments we heard earlier. There'll be no night there. They need no lamp or light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light and they'll reign with him forever and ever. And I, I want you to just think about and languish over the thought here with me for a moment. Some of the things in Revelation 21.4 that will not be in heaven. One, some of those things that will make heaven heaven. There will be, as we said, no more death. Won't that be a marvelous thing? No death. There will be no sorrow, no crying or pain. Why don't you think with me for a moment some of the things in our world that that encompasses. There'll be no more school shootings. There'll be no more terrorist attacks. There'll be no more paranoia. There will be no evening news in heaven. There will be no more satanically induced aborting, abusing, nor abandoning of innocent children there. That's not gonna happen in heaven. In heaven, there'll be no more homeless teenagers. There'll be no more drug addicts. There'll be no more senior citizens living on the streets. Think of all the things that won't be in heaven. There'll be no hospitals. There'll be no nursing homes. There'll be no funeral homes. There will be no correctional facilities. There'll be no more canes or walkers or any of those sorts of things. There'll be no more oxygen machines, drug companies. There'll be no more painkillers because there'll be no pain there. 
There will be no more prayer lists. You know, we have a pretty lengthy prayer list. We don't have a prayer list in heaven because all of these things that we pray for and people that are broken in some form or another won't be broken there. There'll be no more prison cells or protective orders. How beautiful heaven must be. But have you considered maybe something else that won't be in heaven that might be even harder to imagine than the absence of those things? There's something else that won't be in heaven and it's, it's maybe even harder to get our mind around than some of those. Something else that will not be in heaven is time. Time. Think about that. Every second of everything that we are and do and live on this earth is time determined, time sensitive, and time governed. Everything with time permeates everything we do. But God lives in a world that is totally above and beyond the reach of time. Time does not exist. Isn't that kind of tough to get your mind around? Because everything we do is governed by time here. Everything. But God operates in a world where in time as either a concept or a reality simply does not exist. Wherein we live in a world where the passage of time governs and permeates everything that we do. I'm not sure we can get our minds around no time in heaven. I'm certainly no expert on it, but I want to point out a few things to you tonight relative to that. And I want us to get us to think about no time passage in heaven because I think that if we can grasp that idea, then we'll have a greater understanding of a number of biblical texts and we'll have an even greater appreciation for the grace of God and what it has done for us. So let's take a look. The first thing that we need to try to understand, hard as this is, is that time has not always existed. There was, I, I hesitate to say this because it's not really an accurate statement, there was a time before time began. Time has not always existed. The earth has not always existed. God created the heavens and the earth. We know that from Genesis 1.1. Well, God also created time to govern the heaven and the earth. Where do I get such things from? Open your Bibles with me tonight to 2 Timothy 1. The Bible lets us know that time has not always existed. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 8 and run through verse 10. Therefore, Paul writes to young Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time <coughs> began. The Bible is clear that there was a beginning point of time. Time is not always existing. We know from Ephesians 1.4 that God had a plan in place before the foundation of the world to send Jesus. That was before time began. Turn me to Titus chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3, and we'll see this idea again that the scripture says, and again, I'm no expert on it, but the scripture tells us 
time has not always existed. Titus 1, 1 through 3. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, here comes the contrast, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Twice in the New Testament we see that phrase, before time began. He contrasts eternity with time in this passage. The point, if we read both of these texts, is that time had a definite beginning point. Time had a definite beginning point. What was it? Genesis 1-1. We're all aware of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. Now, science tells us that there are five elements that comprise all of creation. All of creation can be categorized under five different elements. One or more or five different elements. That's all there is. Science would tell us that those five elements from which all things that exist are created by or comprised of, they are time, energy, force, space, and matter. Time, energy, force, space, and matter. Everything that exists can be put under one of those five categories. Did you know that all five of those categories are in the very first sentence of the Bible? God took care of it all in the very beginning. Watch this. Time, energy, force, space, and matter. All five of these conditions that scientists tell us are necessary are seen in the statement, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There was time, in the beginning. There was energy, God. There was force, created. There was space, the heavens. And there was matter, the earth. There's all five of them. God took care of all of that in one second. Genesis 1-1 is the account of and the point at which time began. In the beginning, just as we saw with 2 Timothy and Titus. But here's the thing that's hard to get our mind around. Prior to the Genesis 1-1 point where God created and brought time into existence, Prior to that point where God created time as just another way to govern his creation, before God created time to measure events in the physical world and the creation that he had made, time itself neither passed, nor was spent, nor was wasted, valued, nor even in existence. And, and why, is, why is this so crucial? This is so crucial because it, it makes it difficult to explain God to atheists. Right? Think about this. What's the typical response you get when you talk about God to somebody who doesn't believe God exists? Well, who made God? Where did God come from? Who was there before God? Part of their misunderstanding of God comes from the fact that they don't understand time didn't exist. God has always been because there wasn't a beginning point because time doesn't exist for God. 
you know, Jesus brought this out when he said he was the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. He existed before time began. And in the end, when time has ended and eternity is our destination, time will not pass. Today, the spiritual realm is still not governed or tainted or touched by the passing of time. We see this in so many Bible passages. I mean, if we talk about this, it's like, really? But yet, if we look at a lot of Bible passages that we're familiar with, we can see the contrast that time doesn't exist in heaven, that time is meaningless to God, that he's not governed by it. We see this in a lot of familiar passages. Watch this. Follow along. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's go through a list. 2 Peter chapter 3, would you please? Very familiar passage, often misquoted, mistaught, taken out of context. But let's just look at it. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. What's the point of that text? The point of that text is simply this. Time doesn't affect God. God operates above the constraints of time. Time does not exist. Time doesn't affect. A day is like a thousand years. He could have just as easily said 10,000 years is like 10 seconds. The whole point is, is that, that time doesn't pass for God. He's not governed by it. God doesn't grow old like we do because he's not subject to time. We see this way back as early as Exodus chapter 3. Turn back there. And again, familiar passage. Those of you that have taught the little ones in Bible class, you're very familiar with this passage. You could probably quote it. Exodus 3. We know the story. Many of us probably been taught it since we were this tall. Story of Moses, the burning bush. But look at how it proves this idea of time. Exodus 3, beginning at verse 13. Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What do I say to him? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus shall you, I'm sorry, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, they sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. When God told Moses that, he said, I am the God of all of these people. When they were alive, God was alive. Now, when Moses is alive, God's still alive. The passing of time does not govern God. Jesus brought this very, very same thing up when he was here. Look with me in John chapter 8, verses 56 through 58. John 8, verses 56 through 58. Look what it says. Jesus, teaching the Jews here, says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. The Jews said to him, You're not yet 50 years old. You've seen Abraham? They're saying, look, you're, you're not even 50 yet. You're going to tell us that you saw Abraham? Really? See, they didn't understand. For God, time doesn't pass like it does for us here. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. What's he saying? 
before Abraham was ever born. I was present. I am present. I am always present. Why? Because time doesn't pass for him. He doesn't grow old. Even the devil appears from Luke 4 and verse 5 not to be bound by the constraints of time in the spiritual world. Did you know that? Even Satan does not appear to be bound by the constraints of time. It says in Luke 4 and verse 5, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. All the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. You know, there's a number of other passages that contrast this idea that we live in a world governed by time, but God does not. Over and over and over and over again, we see this. Let me give you just a few. Turn with me to a couple of the Old Testament. Psalm 102 is the first one. Psalm 102. Psalm 102, notice the contrast in verses 25 to 28. The contrast of us here in this time-bound, time-governed, time-determined world and God who's not governed by any of that or affected by any of that. Psalm 102, verses 25 to 28, reads as follows. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. Earth's going to grow old. It's governed by time. It's, it's, it's going. All of the creation that God made is going to grow old and perish like a garment, but God is not because time does not ravage God. Look at me in Isaiah 51, verse 6. And yeah, I could have typed this one out, but I wanted you to turn there. I want you to see this contrast again. Take the time to really look at Isaiah 51 in verse 6 of what it says. Look at the contrast. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. Do you see the contrast again between the created world and the spiritual world? It's in the New Testament as well. Turn to me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Begin with me in verse 16. Look at the contrast between the time passage on earth and the eternality of heaven. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and following. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, Earthly life is, is governed by time. It's only a moment of vapor, but it's still governed by time. 
our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. See the contrast? While we do not look at the things which are seen, we do not look at the, the, the issues here as being all there is. We don't look at the passage of time and pain and death and sorrow and sickness. We don't look at, at this realm that is ravaged by time and sin as everything. We don't look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporary. They're governed by time. They're going to come to an end. But the things which are not seen, that is the spiritual realm, is eternal. We know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And, and Paul goes right back and forth between the two, and he talks about those things that are passing. The pain, the sorrow, the death, all of those things. The troubles that we endure, the, the lameness, the, all, all of the, you know, the, the hospitals, and, and everything that's governed by time and growing old and, and decaying. And he contrasts that with, with this beautiful, eternal place called heaven where that doesn't happen. Where time does not ravage. We would notice the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 1. If you would turn there. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look in verses 3 through 6. In verses 3. Following. He says blessed. 1 Peter 1 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living Watch this. To an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away. Folks, everything in this, in this earthly life fades away, doesn't it? You buy a brand new car. Where is it in 30 years? Right? You buy a brand new house 100 years from now. Where is it? Things in this life fade. They get old. They wear out. Our bodies, we all know, right? Most of us are tired to get up in the morning than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Most of us, not all of us. But he says there's this, there's this beautiful, beautiful inheritance. It's incorruptible, undefiled. It does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. We're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice that, that there is such a place where the joy and the beauty does not fade away. Time doesn't affect it. He said you rejoice in that even though now, for a little while, those are both time terms, now, for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. See the contrast again between the beauty of eternity and this earthly life that we have to live now for a little while where the trials come at us. Finally, we would note the same things if we were to read verses 17 through 20 and other places in Peter. But the reason that I bring all of this to us and, and want us to really think about a world where time does not exist I think when we begin to really get our heads somewhat focused in that direction, that maybe it will help us to understand a lot more of some of the other biblical truths that we know. For example, if we get our minds around this, I think the word eternity is a little easier to fathom. Picture this. You're on a ship at sea. You're out at sea. There's no land anywhere to be seen in any direction. Consider that you're on this ship. And this ship is sort of, in my illustration, this is the earth from Genesis 1-1 until the day that it's all over, Revelation 20. This ship is the created world. 
is governed by certain things. But if you look off in any direction, as far as you can see, you can't see an end. You can't see an end of the sea. That's eternity. Eternity goes long before the foundation of the world. Eternity will last forever after the end of creation. You can't see an end to it on any horizon. We're just on this little ship in the middle of eternity. That's creation. Think about eternity. Think about Hebrews 13, 8. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, when you understand that time doesn't pass for him, that's pretty easy to understand. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because yesterday, today, and forever didn't pass. He's the same period. Okay? God's word does not change. Psalm 119, verse 89. This is where we really need to get this concept ingrained in our thinking. Psalm 119, verse 89, English Standard Version says, Your word, O Lord, is forever firmly fixed in the heavens. Now, what that means is, is that every word that God said in the scriptures, even if it was Old Testament over 2,000 years ago to us, it is as fresh and valid in God's mind as if it just came out of his mouth. That's key. That's critical for us to understand. God's commandments don't grow old. Now, I realize we're not under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. I get that. But my point is, is that God's words are just as fresh as if he just spoke them, just now. They're just as clear to him as if he just spoke them. Because time hasn't passed for God in the sense that it passes for us. Why is that important? That's important because of texts like Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. In Ephesians 3, verses 8 through 11, it talks about this plan that God had in place. And it talks about how he accomplished this plan. He accomplished his eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. And that's been made known through the church. That's Ephesians 3, 8 through 11, paraphrasing in a nutshell. Now, what that has to do with us is this. Time doesn't pass for God. We've shown that it doesn't. Then the very words that Peter laid down in Acts 2 for God's church, for terms of entrance into the church, when they were touching the heart and they said to Peter and the others, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. Some people say, well, that's old-fashioned. That was 2,000 years ago. Not to God. To God, those instructions are just as relevant, just as clear, and deserve to be observed and obeyed as if God said them this morning. Does that make a difference in our evangelism? Do we need to help people see that? We sure do. Because to God, who operates above the realm of time, it doesn't matter if that, if that command of how to join his son's church was given 2,000 years ago. To God, it's like he just said it. Time hasn't warped it to God. Time hasn't changed it. It's not old-fashioned to God. It's just as relevant as if this morning was the day of Pentecost. Peter preached it. But you know there's a scary element of this as well that we've got to look at. And that is the reality of the ever-present appearance and nature of the absolute ugliness of our sin before God. 
we as human beings sometimes, over time, minimize our sin. Sometimes it is easy for us to minimize our sins, to not see them in their full and desperate ugliness as if they just happened. Sometimes we diminish the ugliness or importance in our own mind of some of our sins as time goes by, don't we? I mean, we do that. We kind of diminish them. You know, they other things crowd in and they lose that impact that our sins had on us at one point. But not to God. To God, our sins are just as real, all of them, if they happened 20 years ago as if they just happened this morning. Because time doesn't pass for to the God who operates above and beyond the existence of time, each and every one of our sins is always as fresh, disgusting, and abhorrent in his mind as the moment we committed them. There is no statute of limitations with God. Because time doesn't pass for him. David knew that. David said in Psalm 25, 7, Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. There's a phrase I want you to write down, kind of epitomizes this whole sermon tonight. Some semblance of the following. The passage of time neither negates, neutralizes, nor washes away anyone's sin. Only the blood of Christ can ever accomplish that. Passage of time does not negate or neutralize our sins. Why is that important? I heard a story once about a man who fell away, he was a member of the church, fell away, went away, he was gone for a number of years, came back, started sitting in the back pew. Over time, people got used to him being there. Years passed, he slowly moved forward, slowly got involved with some of the things that were going on in the church, but he never made it right. He never repented, he never confessed, he never made it right. But the church, because of the passage of time, began to see him there as a regular member and without any repentance, without any confession, without anything that he needed to do to be right before God, he just began and, and life started again, serving eventually. But here's the danger in that. His sins were just as fresh to God as they committed and they needed to be made right. Same thing can be said for a person that might come and sit for years amongst those people who were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. I've known of a case of this, a man that married a woman in the church, and for years and years and years he came, he was just as much there in attendance, or more so than even some of the regular members. He was there all the time, participated in Bible class, but to my knowledge, he never obeyed the gospel. But because he was always there, because he was a regular, because he answered questions in Bible class, over time, the congregation got so used to him it was easy to forget that his sins still hadn't been forgiven and he wasn't a member of the church. You see, to the church, time passed. To God, his sins were still on him just as fresh as the day they were committed. And this is the good news side of that. When we understand that our sins are ever before God, even the old ones that we may have forgotten because God doesn't forget them. The beauty of this whole thing tonight is this. When we understand that, that's what makes God's grace such an awesome thing when we become Christians. 
If we understand how fresh in God's mind our sins are, in all of their timeless and heaven-barring ugliness, then how much more grateful we ought to be for God's grace when we become Christians. To have every one of those sins that are as fresh in his mind as if we just committed them, gone forever from God's mind. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sins from us. Every last, ugly, abhorrent, fresh in his mind, one of them, is gone. We have an awesome God. Look in Romans chapter 4. Understanding that time does not pass for God. And all the things we've talked about tonight ought to make this text even more special to us than it may have been in the past. Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, quote from the Old Testament book of Psalms, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. How blessed are we when God takes the freshness of our sins, every last one of them, and completely covers them by the blood of Christ. What an awesome God. Verses 20 and 21 of Romans 4 as well talks about how Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. I am fully convinced as I stand before you tonight that what God has promised he's able to perform. And you know what God has promised? God has promised that if I will repent, if I will change my mind toward God, and I will be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins, that he will completely remove every last ugly one of them from in front of him. I trust God's promise. That's why I'm glad tonight, as we talked about this morning. That's why I rejoice tonight. Romans chapter 5 goes on to talk about faith. Romans chapter 6 goes on to talk about being baptized and having our sins forgiven, rising to walk in newness of life. But in the end of Romans chapter 6, we see this in verse 22. But now, notice that's a time term, now, Having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your truth to holiness and the end, everlasting life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal, everlasting life. Beyond time. In a world where time does not exist. In a world where my sins do not exist. In a world above all of those ravages. No pain, no death, no hospitals, funeral homes, nursing homes, no sin, no abominations. And no clocks on the wall, no alarm clocks, no wristwatches, no growing old. We sing a song, don't we? Do you guys know that song over here, Never Grow Old in a Land Where We'll Never Grow Old? Do you know that one? Above the Passage of Time. I want to conclude with a couple of thoughts. Revelation 21 27 says, they shall by no means enter at anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Neither time, nor countless good works, nor even decades of church attendance, 
None of those things. Without sincere repentance, spoken confession, and the sure contacting of the blood of Christ in Christian baptism for the forgiveness of sins will ever remove one single solitary sin from before God's eyes. In a realm above time. Revelation 22, 12 and 13, Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus let us know. I was here before time began, and I will be here forever after time ends. John concluded in verse 14 of Revelation 22, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life. They enter through the gates into the city. The question I want to leave you with tonight is this. Are you absolutely sure that you have scripturally shed, been cleansed of, and have removed from God's ever-present remembrance every single one of your sins? Because there's only one way to do that. Time passage does not erode them. Loss of memory does not evade them. The only thing that is powerful enough to wash them away from his ever-present sight is the blood of Jesus Christ with the contact of Christian baptism. At the end of time and earth and days, will you be able to enter that eternal realm of everlasting joy and peace in the sinless presence of the timeless and eternal God? Because if not, Pardon the pun, but there's really no time like the present. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Are your sins truly forgiven? You need tonight to be baptized. As Cody was baptized earlier this week for the forgiveness of her sins on Wednesday night. But you need to make sure that you're ready to enter that world above time. That beautiful place that, wow, all the stuff that gives us so much grief and heartache and tears here will not exist. If you're not sure you're ready, you can be baptized tonight. Maybe you're somebody who's been baptized. But you need the prayers of the church for strength in some way, or you're struggling with some issue here. There's a lot of pain and heartache around. You just need the prayers of the saints to strengthen you. If there's any way that we can help you tonight before you begin to work week tomorrow, let's take the opportunity as we stand and sing this first day of the week to pray for you, to baptize you, whatever it is that you need to be glad and go on your way rejoicing tonight. Please let us know what it is and we will help you as we stand and sing.